Good day to everybody. This is John Dooley and welcome to the Midwest Football Cavalcade. We have a special guest with us here today to talk a little bit about Wisconsin Badger football and all of the changes that have taken place over the past couple of weeks. And uh, I know it was a really exciting and fun day of college football on Saturday. I know it wasn't the same for Wisconsin who, who dropped their decision to Michigan State, but... Jason, who, just to give a little bit of a preface for everybody who's here, uh, played for the Badgers between 1998 and 2002, kind of in the middle of that uh, Barry Alvarez marrying the old portion of his regime to the newer portion of his regime. He was kind of right in the middle of that time and was able to play on some really good teams there. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Doing pretty good. Mine is, a lot mine is of... the performance of my my squad on Saturday. Oh yeah, that was um, it. There was up. There was ups and downs that were there. I mean, it wasn't all bad, right? No, I mean certainly not. It, it, and it's a team, given what's been going on over the last couple of weeks and, and all this season. You know, you you want to win that game, but a close game on the road against a while not great, a, a decent team. To lose in overtime, double overtime is, it's not, uh, it's not something to to get too upset about. But you know, you see opportunities to to improve, and that was uh, definitely the case on Saturday. Yeah, there's a couple areas of the team that I think have gotten me the most, and I I want to apologize because you got me thinking on one thing that I we had a couple questions that we wanted to make sure that we went over in this little session, but you got me thinking just in that comment about one thing that surprised me the most. I mean, you could probably go back, you know, not even really, I wouldn't say when the early Alvarez years, but definitely by the time that you got there, really from the time that Ron Dane kind of took over, starting in about 96, from that point on, for really the last 25 years, whenever you watched a Wisconsin game, the one thing you always felt you'd walk away from was knowing that they were going to win the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. And it it hasn't and not and I'm not saying that they're losing the battle on the offensive side of the ball. I'm just saying it doesn't feel as overpowering for this group. It, do you chalk that up to youth or just some of the injuries that they've had on the line? What do you think has made for the offensive line maybe not looking as dominating as previous years? I, I do think the inconsistency of who they they've had on the line this year makes a, a really big difference. You know, when you think about of all the the different groups on the on a football team, the offensive line you have five guys who are there every play. It never changes. You don't rotate, uh, and you can't say that about any other position uh, minus the quarterback who's on an island to himself. And so, to not have had the consistency of five guys who have been working together since since uh, spring ball, have been working together since training camp. You know, that really does I think it makes a bigger difference than people sometimes give it credit. And and on top of that, I mean, I do think there has been some sloppiness. There's been some some bad play and get allowing themselves to to you know get themselves in situations where they're very predictable. And I think that's always something that even, you know, if you had a Ron Dane, if you had a Jonathan Taylor, if you had a Melvin Gordon, you could make up for the fact that, yeah, you know you're gonna run the ball. But right now, with the way that the passing game is going as well, 
it puts so much more pressure on that offensive line and on Braylon Allen to own every game. And every, what defense is going to do? They're going to say, well, we know you've lost half of your, you know, you've lost your top two tight ends. You've lost wide receivers and Graham, you know, Mertz is questionable at best. So I'm not surprised that the offensive line and the running game has not been as dominant as it could have been. Yeah, it's been, and I know that's been a point of contention for a lot of Badger fans also, is that when Graham Mertz started, it was, I wouldn't call him a savior or anything, but I think everybody kind of felt like, okay, this is definitely going to be a step up from what we've experienced in the past. And there's been good quarterbacks who have come through Wisconsin. I mean, obviously most notable is, uh, Russell Wilson, but even if it was just a Sorgi or a Bollinger, I think people would be more than happy with the effectiveness of those quarterbacks. And he just hasn't, he just hasn't been up to that level. I mean, you'll see it. Um, you'll see it at times with him. Uh, you know, the joke was really through that. I mean, from that first game he had against Illinois, right. when he's comfortable, he looks unbeatable. He, he looks like one of the top quarterbacks in the conference, but once he seems to get just slightly rattled, he's just a little off and it's really tough for him to get back on track. And I, I want to kind of pivot on this because, you know, Mertz was one of those big recruits that was thought to be, was going to be one of those big game changers for him. It was going to kind of change what Wisconsin was able to do on the offensive side of the ball. And the last couple of years, the recruiting classes haven't really been at the same level as they were before. And I know with their 22 class, and there's a lot of different ranking systems. So what, I, what I'm trying to cite here, if you go online, you'll see a couple different rankings for them. But for 22 and for 23, most publications have them ranked anywhere from number 10 to number 12 in the big 10 over this class that came in and then over the next upcoming classes. And I believe in the upcoming class, they were um, only one of four, I think big 10 schools that didn't get a four-star recruit. Now recruiting classes are funny. You know that you've been a part of the process. You don't always need the big shiny prospects to turn around your program or to make it that next level program. But what can Leonard do if they're really going to go forward and what we think that they're going to do and, and keep him as the coach? What can Leonard do to really turn the tide as far as recruiting is concerned? Well, I mean, the first thing that this goes back to the Alvarez era and it's, you know, you know Jim being a, a Wisconsin guy is that you have to win the state of Wisconsin. You, if there is a high level recruit coming anywhere out of the state of Wisconsin, they need to, if they need to get it, that, that player. They absolutely have to. You cannot lose in-state talent because you don't have the glut of talent that you get coming out of a California, a Florida, a Texas. I mean, even you talk about the Chicagoland area, you, you have a lot of great players that come out of, of a city of the size of Chicago. So the first thing Jim has to do is find a way to keep as many of the high talent in the state of Wisconsin as possible. Um, you know, the next thing, which is really the big thing that hurt Chris is that they lost their recruiting coordinator to Michigan state. Uh, and you know, that I don't know, have all the details on, on that, but I know that that was a massive blow and one that they didn't recover from in a, in a satisfactory way, which is what led to what's you're seeing over the last two seasons, as far as the recruiting classes, they haven't had that coordinator to come in and really amp up and go after the players in the right way. Uh, and then the third piece, which 
it maybe is one of those areas that isn't as well known about is is tied to this the NIL, which is the ability of players to be able to to get endorsements with which is a totally new thing over the last few years. But from what I have heard, Wisconsin really lagged in getting a a plan together on how they were going to approach that and how they were going to go to players to be able to say, here's what, if you come to Wisconsin, here's what the opportunity is in the NIL world. And that really has hurt them because players saw that and said, well, I'm going to go elsewhere because at Ohio State of Michigan, uh, you know, whoever has a better plan in place for how they're going to get players, you know, that those endorsements. So I, you put all those things together and I can see why the challenges have been there. And that's probably one of the big reasons, even though it isn't this public one of why Christ was let go. So I mean, I think Jim, while the head coach is not the only man who, who picks the recruiting coordinator or who deals with the NIL uh, opportunities, you know, he has to get those things in order and work with McIntosh, the AD, to to get Wisconsin in a better place. And so that means it's not going to happen next year or the year after, but it's for the future. Yeah, it's a really interesting world that we're encountering in college athletics now. And it's not a surprise, I don't think, that Michigan and, Michigan and Ohio State, at least seemingly to me from the outside, it looks as if they're able to navigate these areas a little bit better just because I mean they're starting from a massive point of wealth (laughs) from what those athletic departments have I mean it's kind of obscene and you get the feeling from Wisconsin I I guess maybe Penn State would be another good um, program to kind of put on that level Uh, I know Nebraska talks a lot about tradition they really haven't been at that level now for about 20 years or so but they still have a in name a good program that's there. But I guess I'll put Wisconsin there with Penn State as far as where performance has been for the last 10 to 15 years and name recognition and really trying to, how do we keep up with these top level athletic departments that now have all of this money at their disposal due to the NIL? Is there anything in particular that Wisconsin can do to put them on the same level or get them, I don't, I don't want to say on the same level, but to move them closer to where the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world are. Well, it's not a short term solution, but you know, these big games, you know, one of the things that you can show to a young athlete is you're going to get to be on the biggest stage in the biggest games. So when Wisconsin, even though they haven't always won them, but Wisconsin played uh, LSU up at Lambeau, uh, Wisconsin played uh, Notre Dame at soldier and, and, uh, was were supposed to play Notre Dame up at Lambeau in the you know the COVID season that got canceled. You know those it's a small thing seemingly, but if you could tell a young high school kid that hey you're going to get to play in these huge games along with every year you're going to take on the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Nebraskas, you know these big time universities, and now the USC's and UCLA's uh, in the future. You know those are things that they can do. I mean the other piece of course is winning. Uh, you know, the reason that Wisconsin, you even mentioned them alongside Penn State, uh, is because over the last 20 to 25 years since, you know, the mid-Alvarez era, Wisconsin has been reliably a team that wins. You know, this is the, the big year this year is the question is, are they going to make a bowl game? They've not missed a bowl since, sadly, I can say my fourth year, which was the last time we didn't make a bowl uh, in, in 2001. Uh, so that's a very long street and streak, and it's actually one that not many programs can latch onto to say that you've had that kind of success in making bowls. 
So anyway, those those are things outside of the fact that you're just never going to be Michigan or Ohio State. You don't have that history. So you've got to find other places uh, and you know, winning and being running back you, being offensive lineman university, you know, those are going to draw those players, but they've got to be able to compete for the specialists, the, you know, the DBs who got burned so badly against Michigan state, you know, they need to get those players a lot of times from outside of the state of Wisconsin. And, you know, so they've got to be able to compete there. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, making your, your own culture. Cause I, I, I always forget about this. You know, I was, I have a just full disclosure and you're Jason's not going to be surprised by this admission on my end, but I have a USA today college football encyclopedia next to my toilet uh, <laughs> that I, that I look at and uh, it goes back. It's, it's not a full encyclopedia. It's they don't even sell encyclopedias anymore, by the way, which is what I want to talk about in my podcast is one of my talking points that really bothers me. Um, it goes back to 1953. It's from the time that USA today started reporting on, on college football and I forget, I think we all forget, you know, Florida State was never, wasn't always a big time program. Miami, the Hurricanes were, weren't always a big time program. Uh, Clemson wasn't always a big time program. All these programs have had gaps of success or came from nowhere and were really built by a coach. Uh, and then were able to kind of create that culture over time. You know, Joe Pa essentially made that culture at Penn State. It wasn't like Penn State was some huge, you know, place that people look to go uh, beforehand. So, you know, that's probably the right answer, which you said, you know, not focusing on much and trying to play with the Michigans and Ohio States, but just build your culture and try to create your own identity. And it kind of leads me to my next item. And I met, I mentioned this on the podcast last week and I, I said it and I, you know, I don't think it's really that big of a deal, but it's just something that it caught my ear in one of the sound bites that I heard. And then I read it again in an article and now everything around this coaching change, full disclosure, just from what I've gathered from other Badger fans, picking up stuff on Twitter, you know, I follow a bunch of people on Twitter that are, you know, I, I would like to think are pretty linked into the Badger program. And I know just hearing from your comments in regards to the Badger program, um, most of the feeling around the coaching change has been fairly positive. Like people were not down talking Chris. They know that he's a Madison guy, that he loves the program. He loves Wisconsin. He's a good person for the university. So nobody was trying to kick his butt out the door or anything like that. At the same time, people wanted to make sure that Leonard stayed with the program and that that was a plus. Nick Herbig, though, had a quote after the game where he said something akin to, it feels like I lost one of my close friends. And did you hear anything just down through the grapevine as far as like player-coach relationship and maybe those lines being blurred between players? Or am I just making way too much out of just probably what was a side comment? Well, some coaches, head coaches, have a real connection with their players. Some coach more as a not an overlord but you know that way and, and I would say that Chris has definitely been seen as being a player's coach you know he's not one of the guys he's not hanging out with them but I think he was seen as someone who really cared about the players not just from a, a personal standpoint but you know the, the leaders of the team were able to go to him and really connect and, and talk through things and that goes back to the Alvarez era as you know certainly captains 
but you know, anybody could go in and, and have a conversation with Alvarez, and I think Chris does the same, that is maybe different than, like, I don't think Nick Saban is having a whole lot of uh, hearts-to-hearts with guys. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But I, I think that Chris was seen as being that way. And I, I played for him. He was a tight ends coach at the time and was very personable with the players. And so I have a feeling that, you know, Herbig's comments, I, I don't know, you know the exact situation, but I, I do get the feeling that there was much more of an open door policy with uh, with Coach Christ. And so what I hope is that, I mean, I think Jim Leonard also being that he's, he is a little bit younger and you're seeing that, that trend of you know, go to the NFL, of younger coaches, uh, they can maybe connect a little better. I feel like the players really love him, but you know, it, it's going to be about, where they go from here because right now Leonard he's having to take over and they're just basically in in just hold it together mode but I think that there's maybe I heard Braylon Allen say you know being really upset with uh, through Twitter with with the 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 change as well so I think the players they've got to just write the ship through this season and then it's going to be on Jim Leonard in the off season to really create the culture that he wants you know right now this is just going to be a getting through the season, try to make a bowl game. And you're, you're going to have all the coaching staff that are Chris's staff. So it's going to be on Jim, if he gets the job uh, at the end of the season, to really establish the culture and get those players to be maybe not the exact same way as with Coach Chris, but to feel like Jim Leonard is their guy. And that's a really hard thing to do when there's a transition for these young players. What would you say is the percentage? I know the university and the athletic department said that, you know, they're going to go through, I believe they admitted that they were going to go through a full search at the end of the year and that they were going to do their due diligence. And obviously I'm sure they'll evaluate what Jim does for the rest of the year and take that into account with their search. Certainly feels like, and I don't know if you can put a number on it, but it feels pretty good like over 75% chance that he's going to be their guy going forward. Um, what percentage would, would you put on him being the, uh, on Leonard being the coach next year, or do you think it's already at a hundred? You, you know, before you said that I, I was at 70%. And I, I think that's, I think that's why they made the change when they did, you know, if when Nebraska's coach got let go a few weeks earlier, Jim's name was immediately bandied about when uh, you know, you heard about about the team doing poorly. I think the the thought process was we if we don't make it now, and if Jim gets somehow snatched up between now and the bowl season, and they weren't firing Chris until after a bowl game, if they make one or if they made one under Chris, there would have been a chance of losing him. And I I don't think they make the change that they did in the timing they did unless they really felt like we have to lock in Jim Leonard. And while they're still going to have an open search, because I think you, I think you have to these days, I, I don't think you can, basically it would be McIntosh putting his own career in Jim's hands, unless he said he was going to do this full search. But you, you think about the first season or first year for McIntosh as the athletic director, he's had some pretty big stuff with, with this firing with, I mean, the way that the season has gone so far. So I I do think that there's going to be a big, a big chance that this is Jim Leonard's job and there's very little I can imagine that would take it from him. I I know you're, you're pretty tapped in and you, you 
still, you know, text and, and uh, keep in contact with a, a, a bunch of your former teammates that you played with and you go to games and I know you connect with other uh, former players as well. Is there any trepidation when you have conversations with people about Wisconsin, maybe this isn't the right path to take, or, you know, is there any chance, you know, I think the fear factor is in the college football world of falling into that pit that Notre Dame found it in after it let go of Lou Holtz or the Nebraska world after they got rid of Osborne and Solich was only going nine and three, and that wasn't good enough for the Nebraska people. And they essentially just found themselves in a circle then for the next 20 years. Has that come up as maybe a potential pitfall or, or do you feel like the Badgers and the department can kind of keep this thing steady for the next couple of years? I think they'll keep it steady. I mean, Wisconsin is, you know, Nebraska had that traditional history of, of winning championships and, and Notre Dame, of course, like you were saying, I think at Wisconsin, yes, we've had several decades of success, but before the early 90s, when Wisconsin didn't make a Rose Bowl since the 60s, I mean, th- so it's not like this is a historic program. And I think there's a lot of people, I mean, myself included, who you know, know that while, yes, we have been very good, I mean, I played in two Rose Bowls, but I also know that there's no guarantee that, and there's not, and the people of Wisconsin, I don't think expect it in the same way. I think definitely, and I'll, I'll say this as a grumpy fan from looking at the stands and not seeing them full every week, is that there is an expectation right now that Wisconsin is better, but I don't think it's the same as what you're seeing or we've seen at Nebraska or with the Notre Dame job. I think there is going to be an acceptance of, let's, okay, we're going to have a down year. Maybe we're going to have two, but we need to bounce back. And, and I think that there is a, we need to be to contending for the Big Ten West every year. We need to make good bowls, not just six and seven win bowl games. And we need to, at some point, I mean, I would hope, if you had asked me five years ago, I would have said, I would hope to see us in that, uh, the playoff, in the, the four-team playoff within the next five to 10 years. And I still say that that's a goal that Wisconsin needs to stand by is to get themselves to that point of being able to be a college football championship playoff team. With those being the goals, what would you say is a reasonable expectation then for the rest of this year? And I'd say for this year and then for the next couple of years, where would you like Leonard to be? How much rope do you think, I guess is what my my follow-up to that is, how much rope do you think he's going to have and what point do you think, what do you think the standard will be for him to get there? Well, I think Saturday hurt them. Uh, you know, getting a win at Michigan State would have, you know, you put you at four and three and you have a real shot at the bowl game. I, I think the expectation this year, even though with all that's going on, still needs to be that they need to make a bowl. And I know that now you can make a bowl with six wins, but ideally they need to get to seven. And there is no guaranteed route to that looking at the rest of their schedule they have a pretty the way the teams are playing right now a pretty tough schedule uh going forward i mean i think jim has again he, he should work to make a bowl this year if that doesn't happen i don't think he's completely you know people are going to say well that was already a failure 
But I think coming back next year, they they need to, again, make a jump up from this year, make a little bit better bowl. And so to me, the 2024 season needs to be a season where they're back up into those expected places. And I know that from what you started saying that their recruitment is down, I'll be interested to see what that means. I mean, 2024 would be, if he chose to stay, Braylon Allen's senior season if he chose to stay. So you'd have an amazing guy. You'd have somebody new in at quarterback by then. But I think 2024 needs to be the year that they get back into that uh, Big Ten West competing, uh, you know, Big Ten championship contending team. Yeah, and that's another thing too. You know, you mentioned about we're trying to calculate the years guys are able to play. The extra COVID year is such an interesting thing, and we're only going to get this for two more years, but it's given a lot of teams a little bit of flexibility. And I guess you could say it's a little bit of an advantage for a new head coach. Um, If for some reason people don't like Jim's approach or they're not a big fan of him, if they happen to lose anybody over this next calendar year, good news with the transfer portal, you have all of these available players who will, I'm sure would love to come play for Wisconsin. And I know it's not, um, it's not the undell be all like we can use, we can look at Indiana as an example, Indiana. I want to say it's something like eight players that are starting on their team that came from the transfer portal, something insane. I think it's their entire, I hope if anybody's, if anybody's listening to this and yelling at me while they're, <laughs> while they're listening to it, I apologize. I want to say it's two of their top three receivers. Uh, they got from the portal also. Um, so you can rebuild things really quick. You have a little bit more accessibility, but the counter side to it is you get these like, it's almost like teams of men now. It's really strange. There's all these like 23 and 24 year old men that are starting on these college football teams. Like you have to build a physical team and have them ready to play. You can't do a huge youth movement. If you do a huge youth movement, or if you say, hey, we're going to bring in our own guys, we're going to start with the guys that I recruit. Well, that's, that's nice. Have fun with that, but it's going to, it's going to take a while. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting next couple of years for Wisconsin to see how they adapt to everything. And just, I guess, is my final uh, question for you is, you know, I didn't really see a ton online of people that were, or at least from the Badger players or whispers that they're unhappy with the program or they want to leave. I think things have stayed like fairly positive would you agree yeah definitely i i think the fact that that jim has been there for a long time that he is a wisconsin guy i mean that that makes people in the state happy it also i think the players have a real strong connection to him so i don't think there's any kind of negativity right now uh and i don't think throughout the rest of the season i mean this is a transition season uh so unless something drastic were to happen i think they're in a pretty safe spot to get through this year. I think it's going to come down to what happens come January, February, what the team builds into in the off season. Yeah. Those are really good points, Jason. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining us today on the cavalcade. We're going to kind of split this week into a couple different sections. So we're going to probably have this episode or this little, I don't even know what you would call it an episode or an interview. We'll have it as, as its own standalone section and then we'll do another full throttle review of last week's games and then a preview of the upcoming week as well and we'll take a 
little sneak peek also at Notre Dame and what's taking place in the MAC and the Missouri Valley Conference as well. Jason, thanks for joining us again. And I, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to probably ask you to come back one more time. I think we should talk at the end of the season just to see where everything's at and maybe kind of do a final review and maybe a quick preview for what 2023 is going to look like, if that sounds good. Yeah, happy to. I'll be going to a couple more of the games this year. Uh, next week, uh, going up to the Purdue game. So hoping to see uh, a team bounce back uh, and a team that, that when we talk again, we'll be talking about going to at least some kind of a bowl game. Sounds good. Well, once again, thanks for joining us. And to everybody out there, thanks for listening. This has been the Midwest Sports uh, Midwest Football Cavalcade with John Dooley. And we'll be back with the rest of our podcast in just a moment. Have a good one.